some, some of you, some of you saw that video and sort of fluffed it off. That's just life as you know it. A good number of you, though, saw that video and it scared you. Some of you watched the video and you're already on your phone now fact-checking some of the statistics. But the point is that we are in a world of exponential change. And in the midst of that change, when you see those facts run by you, can seem out of control. And the reaction, the natural reaction for every human, or almost every human, is to circle the wagons, to throw up our arms in despair or just give up. And on top of that, the preacher's not where he's supposed to be. And he's supposed to be on the platform behind the podium. The title was, Did You Know? No, I didn't know and I don't want to know. So let me just stick my head in the sand. Ignorance is bliss. And of course we know that's wrong. As the followers of Jesus, that's not an option for us to circle the wagons, put our head in the sand, or seclude ourselves in some Christian ghetto in the name of our own safety and security. We follow Jesus into the change, into the confusion. As a church, you know, we've been through a discernment process and the, that came to an end, at least that part of the process, last week with a congregational vote. But that is not the end. That is really the beginning. For now, we join together and continue this process of change, of seeking God for ourselves. We've asked God over and over again to show us the way that God would want us to go. And we believe that God has. So we readily submit to God's leading us to continue to change any way that God wants. That's been our prayer for the last seven weeks. And that will continue to be our prayer. So get ready. The fun has just begun. We want change. Because God wants change. We want God to continue to tear down walls between us in the name of Jesus. We want God to tear down walls between us and Him. And we want God to tear down walls between us and the world around us in the name of Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's not just as a church that we face change, but it's also individually that we face change. No, you just don't know what tomorrow will bring. You don't know what uh, this afternoon will bring. You know, you know, don't know what's going to happen with your employer. You don't know what's going to happen with your body. You don't know if d- disease will, will come. Accidents. You just don't know. I mean, maybe even in the course of this year, the Bengals might win one or two playoff games. Yeah. What are you going to do with that kind of change? Change is inevitable. And so the question is, how do we handle it? How do we understand it? How do we face it in the name of Jesus, according to the character of Jesus, and allow God to be at work in us in the midst of that? No matter what it is, 
for his glory and for his purposes and for his plans. How do we flourish in change? You know, I think whenever I get lost, whenever I get disoriented, you know, whenever it's a place of uncertainty, for me, I have to go back. Okay, what is it that I know? You know, what are the basics? And I think that's one of the keys of handling change well. What is our anchor in the midst of the storm? What is our north star when we get lost in the wilderness? It's necessary in times of change to cling to the one who is our anchor. It's necessary in times of change to cling to the one who is our North Star. And I propose to you that that is how we handle change well. By embracing the one we know who is the same today, yesterday, and forever invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 13, um, verse 6 is where we'll start. It's on page 979 of your pew Bible. You can turn there or watch on the screen or whatever form uh, you have the scriptures in. Hebrews chapter 13, starting with verse 6. Now, in this, uh, this is a small passage, and what the, the writer of Hebrews is he's teaching um, his readers you know, how to address change, particularly for them, it's persecution. You know, they, they are being opposed. Some of them are being imprisoned. Some of them are being slaughtered in the name uh, of uh, Jesus um, because of what they're doing. So they're, they're facing drastic change in their world. And the same principles that the writer tells us through uh, this letter apply for us today. Let's pray together. Dear gracious God, we thank you again for this time to, to worship you. We thank you for your written word that speaks to us of what is eternal, um, what is unchanging, uh, what is real, what truly is to be the anchor of our soul. Help us in this moment to hear from you. Put aside distractions, to under, understand our own limits, and hear and receive from your Spirit in this moment. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Hebrews chapter 13, starting with verse 6. So, we can say with confidence... The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. For it is well for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by regulations about food, which have, benefited, which have not benefited those who observe them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
I mean, his, his point is clear. In the midst of the persecution, in the midst of all that's going on, what the writer wants us to know for sure is that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the anchor of our soul. Whenever we're disoriented, discombobulated, confused, He's the one that we cling to. This is what we know. That Jesus was born among us to show us how to live. That He died for us to free us from our sin and connect us to God. That he was raised to new life to show us that not even death itself will separate us from God. And that one day Jesus will return, bringing all things under God's rule and bringing us all unto him forever. That we know is true. Even in the midst of the storm even in the midst of all the confusion. And it's important, it's really important that we understand that is what is true. He is our anchor and nothing else. He's not just the best anchor. Not, not just the, the best among a lot of them. He is the and the only anchor. And the reason that's important is because we as human beings have a real habit throughout time. We have a real habit of taking God's good gifts to us and then making those our anchor. It's called idolatry. And it's been a habit of humans uh, since the very beginning. That we take the good things that God can give us and then we anchor ourselves onto them. We can do it personally, individually, in our own lives. You know, we, can, we can find our meaning. We can find, again, the anchor of our soul in the stuff around us. Some of you, it might be your good looks. It might be your intelligence. It might be your bank account. It might be your work. It might even be your health or even your family. All those good things, good, good gifts from God, but you don't know what this afternoon will bring in any of those areas. And it is dangerous, even destructive, to make those the anchor of our soul because they're not stable. For the church, you know, we can do the same thing. We, we can take the good things of God, the God, of God's blessings and gifts, and make them our anchor. You know, we, can, we can take things like buildings, like the, the music we sing, the time and the place that we gather. Different habits and traditions. And we can make those our anchor instead of Jesus. You know, there's stories throughout the scriptures of how God's people would do that. That they would make something else the anchor. And you, you see it a lot with Jesus when he's talking to the, the, the people that are um, following God in his day. You know, the religious leaders of Jesus' day. You know, they're, 
They're gathering in the synagogue, and they've got some rules and guidelines that, they, that they've put in place that have helped them for a season. And, and Jesus comes in regularly and says, you know, those rules have become your God instead of God being your God. One time, he brought somebody who was ill into the sanctuary, into the, the synagogue on that day. And, and the, the rules were you weren't supposed to heal on that day. And Jesus said, wait a minute, your rules have gotten in the way of you following God. So on the Sabbath, in front of everybody, he healed the man so that they would know. Try to be freed from how we can make the good gifts of God our God instead of God. That we can make something else the anchor of our soul instead of of him. Verse 9 even alludes to that in our passage. It says, you know, don't be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings, for it is well for the heart to be strengthened by grace. It is well for the heart to be strengthened by grace. Our anchor is Jesus, and our focus is His great commandments. Everything we do points us to Him and to learn how to love God and to love one another. To, to be strengthened by His grace and by His love. The question we should be asking of all the things around us that are God's good gifts. The question we should be asking, all right, are those habits of ours? Are those traditions? Are those ways that we're doing things? Are those helping us anchor our soul in Jesus? If they are, then continue to do them. If not, then let's change it. Are these, these habits, these ways that we act together, are they helping us carry the good news of Jesus to the world outside that longs to hear from Him? If they are, then let's continue to do them. If they're not, then let's stop and start some that are. Because that's been our habit since the beginning of the church. The, the church has always been charged. This is the way we always do it. The Spirit fills us when we're gathered together and enables us to speak the language that is most meaningful, that is most comfortable, not to one another, but to those that are outside the walls of the church. That's what happened at Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, when the church was gathered, the Spirit came upon them so that they were empowered and enabled to speak the language of those that were not among them. And the Spirit then sent them out of that upper room into the crazy, confusing world filled with the Spirit and the message of the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What do you think God cares most about? Your comfort in, in doing the things that we're, we do, the ways that we want to do them, 
Or do you think God cares more about changing the methods and ways that we do them in order to reach those outside the church with the message of his grace and goodness? Throughout these four weeks, as we walk through, are we there yet? Handling change well. You'll hear me say a couple times, our focus is on the unchanging message, the good news of Jesus. And our focus is on the ever-changing methods that we use to proclaim that good news to the world. The message is unchanging. The methods are ever-changing because the world is ever-changing. You might be saying, well, that's a nice idea. Yeah, it's really good to to have an anchor in the midst of the storm. It's a good thing to say, yeah, Jesus is our focus. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But how do I do that? How, How do I make him the anchor of my soul? Well, I think it's a lifelong journey, so sorry if you're looking for a quick fix on that one. But what our passage tells us to do in verse 7, is remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So today, I have a little treat for you. It's a video from one of our leaders. Um, She spoke in the first service. We videoed it because didn't know if her energy level was going to be such that what she shared, she'd be able to do again in second service. So we, we captured it and we'll share it um, with you now. But Donna Pessinger is a deacon, one of our leaders. Um, uh, she uh, was diagnosed uh, October of a year ago, over a year ago, with leukemia. Spent roughly over the course of six, uh, the course of that last year and a half, five months, four to five months in the hospital. I almost said it there, but in first service I said jail, and uh, so she she will allude to that uh, in her comments, and, and that she said it did feel like jail for um, a lot of the time. But she's asked she came to me recently and said, you know, I'd really like to share my story. I said, well, Donna, this is what's coming up. You know, how do you keep, we just need to hear stories of one who has sought to keep Jesus, the anchor of her soul, when her world gets turned upside down, inside out, and every which way but loose. And so I asked Donna to share with us um, and so, via video, she shares with us now. Um, a phone call actually changed my life. I had been going to the doctor in September, and uh, this doctor thought something was wrong with my thyroid, so he fixed my thyroid mess, and, and that wasn't it. That didn't fix things. So I went to my heart doctor, and he finally did a CBC, which is a, a white count blood test. And they found that the white blood count was very, very high. 
I got a phone call on Saturday, which is highly unusual. Most of you know that you don't get doctor's phone calls on Saturday. And it was the lady who took my blood, and she said, your blood looks very bad, and it looks like leukemia. Well, I was scheduled to go to see Karen Lane. A lot of you knew her. By the way, I'm sorry, I didn't introduce myself. Some of you may not know me, Donna Pestinger. I do, most, do know most of you, but some of you may be new and may not have seen me. But anyway, um, I was at Karen's. And I decided to go to Karen's anyway because she needed our help. She was uh, one, of our very, one of my very dear friends, and I miss her very much. But uh, I decided to go with her and uh, stay there as long as I could. But I got a phone call while I was there and said, this, is, this was the hospital calling, and they said, we have a room ready for you, and you have to be here in an hour. Well, that sure changed my life. <laughs> because, like Drew was saying, I did not get out of jail until <laughs> uh, it was the, day, the Monday before Thanksgiving was the first time I got out of the hospital. But I was given a 50-50% chance to live or not live by the doctors. And they handed me all these pamphlets and all these books with all this explanatory information about acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Well, I didn't know any of that. I just, I put it all aside. I said, you know what, I'm just going to ask for the Lord's help one day at a time. Whatever he wants, that's the way it will be. So that's what I did. And uh, I remember another day when I really called on the Lord in, strong, in a strong way. I went down for a lung test, which is called a bronchoscopy. And they made me uh, suck on this pipe, which had lidocaine in it. Well, I didn't know I was allergic to lidocaine. But apparently I am. And my heart rate, which was, that monitor was right there, shot up to 190. I went into AFib, and they had the crash cart there ready for me. So I started praying, and praying, and about 20 minutes later, the peace of God just came over me from my head to my toe, and it went down to 90. The next time I looked at it, it was down to 90. So I knew that the Lord was working, and, it, and I'm so thankful to all he has done. And now I have zero, Wait, 0.004% cancer left in my body. I'm on a maintenance, praise God, yes. <laughs> I'm on a maintenance program. I have to go in for chemotherapy once a month. I take lots of pills, but I'm just so thankful to our God his, who changes not. And I always say this, and some of you have heard me say this, that I'm not happy for my disease, but I am very happy for where it has brought me because I am closer to Christ now than I've ever been. Thank you very much. And I, I told her then, and I'll tell you now, how thankful that I am, and I know that we are, that... Uh, Donna is one of the leaders that God has called forth from this congregation to help 
lead us in a faith that we as well will seek um, to imitate. I do want you to draw your attention to the sixth verse of the passage we read. And just so you know, this is not just to sort of help us make it through, you know, on a, a string. But the fact that Jesus is the anchor of our soul. That Jesus is not surprised by what goes on. Doesn't wring his hands, not worried, not caught off guard. But fully aware and control and the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Therefore, we can face our lives. We can face the change and confusion that we might face. Not just with uh, a little grin, but with boldness, with confidence. Hear verse 6 again. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? As we continue to pursue the ways of God together, as we face the, the, the change that is within us and all around us, stuff that we want, stuff we don't want, wherever it comes from, we can face that with confidence and boldness, not because of any decision or process we've been through, not, not because of our intelligence or capacities or even our spiritual maturity, but we will do that because our one center our one anchor is Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Him, we are secure. In Him, we have confidence. And in Him, we need not fear. But in faith, get on the ride, put on the seatbelt, throw your hands up, and with excitement, see what God does in and through us. Amen.